This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. going happy friday it is sportsnet today logan gordon along with you from the doug lacy's basement systems downtown studios for our friends at doug lacy's basement systems cracked foundation bowling foundation walls with a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation contact basement systems they're all things basement to visit dlbasementsystems.com Lots to get to on the show today. We got a Friday visit from our pal Adnan Verk, MLB Network, NHL Network, the Cinephile Podcast. We'll talk with Verk about uh, all things baseball going on right now. The reverse boycott in Oakland. The Jays stink against the AL East. We'll get into uh, some, maybe some movie talk with Verk on a Friday as well. Stamps report coming up at 2 o'clock. As uh, the Stampeders pick up their first victory of the season in Ottawa against the Red Blacks. We'll also check in with our pal Kim Belke from Sinbin Vegas, the head of the Stanley Cup Champions Parade on Saturday night in Vegas. They've got the championship under their belt. What comes next for this crew? It doesn't have a lot of cap space, but there's some important questions to ask as the offseason begins. But we uh, start the program off, first of all, by welcoming you to the show and letting you know that the fan feedback line is always open to you at 960-960. Cam is here. Taylor's here. Shan is here. Even somebody named Alex Brody is here. Who? Oh, yeah, exactly. Who? I don't think my card works anymore, so I'm locked in. I don't think your mic should work anymore. Just kidding. Uh, we'll start the show off today. But looking back at what's been a pretty crazy week here. In the city of Calgary and talking about maybe some of your favorite moments from the week. And there's a lot to go through. It started off with Ryan Huska being named the 24th head coach in Calgary Flames history. He joined Rustic and Rose on the big show this morning. We'll hear from Ryan in just a few moments about what the week's been like for him. How this process has gone. Also throughout the week. We had a couple of championships finish up in case you missed it or you've been too busy celebrating the return of another flame that we'll talk about in just a few moments. The Vegas Golden Knights closed out their series with the Florida Panthers in emphatic fashion, dominating the Panthers in game five. Bennett marches right back into the zone with it, but he drops it off and misses Verhage's shorthanded chance. Here's Stevenson with Stone. Stone right to the goal mouth. He scores! Shorthanded goal, Vegas with the game's first marker. They can smell blood. Theodore gives it up, gets it back at the line, walks it to the middle, long wrist shot. Blocked down the way, still loose. Comes to Smith, he scores! Riley Smith moves it down low. Bennett trying to get it through. Intercepted by Mark Stone, who sends it into the empty net this time. The captain has a hat trick. 
It's 8-3, Vegas. Seven seconds left. The fans will count it down. It's Vegas, baby. The Golden Knights have won the Stanley Cup. Was that your favorite moment of the week, or perhaps it was in the NBA where the Denver Nuggets picked up their championship victory? And while that might not have resonated with a ton of people in Calgary, maybe your favorite moment was like mine, where MVP candidate and really just all-around all-star dominant player Nikola Jokic was asked post-game about the parade and how excited he would be and didn't really sound that excited for the parade until he actually went to the parade. Uh, you know that I, I told that uh, I don't want to stay on parade, but I f- want to stay on parade. This is the best. Yeah, this is this is amazing. This is uh, we're all gonna remember this the, our whole lives and. Uh, and when we see you guys that uh, came out on the streets, and uh, actually this one is for you. We love you, Denver. This one is for you. Thank you, guys. So that was a lot of fun. But Does, I, does Denver know how to party or what? I don't think Denver knows how to party. Wow. I think in Calgary, I think the moment came yesterday for everybody, or at least most people's favorite moment of the week, and it was welcoming back a very... Very important player to the Calgary Flames organization. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming back number 12, Jerome Aguila! I mean, it's hard to go wrong with welcoming number 12 back. He joined Pat on Flamestock yesterday for an exclusive one-on-one talking about being under Craig Conroy in a new special advisor's role. Or maybe your favorite moment is like mine, and that's that this is Alex's final day with Sportsnet. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a low blow. Whoa. Oh, okay, come on. Thank you, Cam. <laughs> Uh, before we hear from Ryan Huska, who was with uh, Russick and Rose on the big show earlier today, and we hear uh, from Jerome McGinley. Alex, it's your last day here. Yeah, man. I, uh, I just, I've decided I don't want to leave, so I'm just going to hang out, be here. I guess that's kind of the norm, but... I was going to say, that's, that's literally never new if you've listened to this <laughs> program many times when I've welcomed everyone into the show and told them who my producers were for the day. <laughs> Most of the time, Alex Brody was part of that list just because you were here. Lingering around. But yeah, um, definitely probably the best way to send it off with with Ryan Huska there. And he was super, super nice. You'll hear from him later on. But it's been an emotional day. Um, and I'm not definitely not ready to accept it yet. Well, Alex, uh, in all seriousness, as much as I love bugging you and uh, <laughs> messing around with you, we will miss you dearly here. Uh, and I'm glad you were around today so that I could say that to you. Um, good luck with everything going forward. I can't wait to send you off uh, in style. But uh, thank you for everything you did here. I know the listeners on the morning show got to know you better than maybe uh, some of us here on the afternoons. But thanks for all your hard work, pal. And uh, we will miss you dearly here uh, on the day-to-day. You were an awesome coworker, man. So best of luck going forward, hey? Thank you so, so much. And yeah, um, thank you everybody at the station for making this such a great experience. But quick, quick shout out to the text line and all the listeners as well. 
Uh, you guys are the reason. It was so great to come into work every day, and I, I will never forget the amazing experience I've had here. Uh, so enough of the mushy stuff. Let's uh, hear from a couple of those uh, new members of the Flames that we were talking about this week and some cool moments for the Calgary Flames, including naming their 24th head coach in franchise history. Ryan Huska joined Matt Rose and George Russick a little bit earlier today to talk about the week that's been for him uh, now as the Flames' next head coach. Here's Ryan Huska from a little bit earlier today. How cool is that when I say the 24th head coach of the Calgary Flames? Yeah, it's really neat. I mean, I mean you work a, a long time to try to get to this position, so when it became a reality, it was something that was real special for myself and my family. So we're excited about it, and as I mentioned before, we wish it was starting tomorrow. I know a lot yeah. of people are saying, no, no, slow down a little bit, but um, it's exciting for sure. Uh, Maddie and I were at the news conference, your introductory news conference, and uh, we both talked about the smile on your face. Yeah. I know you were trying to maybe hide it just a little bit, but you just couldn't, right? Because uh, it was the best day ever. Hey, and I, that's who I am too, right? I mean, um, I don't know. It's like you. We were just talking off the air about getting this job. It's like, wow, this is this is an awesome thing. So I'm mm -hmm. excited about it. And, and you smile. You put the same smile on your face. Absolutely. So I think that's what it's all about. You know, you people work so hard to get an opportunity. I'm trying to work my way yeah, through so I can see here. But yeah, uh, they work so hard to get an opportunity, and they should be proud of it, and they should be able to enjoy it when they get to a position they want to be in. Yeah, and that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. The hard work and everything. That Absolutely. I, I wanted to ask you, Ryan, about uh, the drive to the rink. Yeah. When you were meeting Craig, when he offered you the job, were you thinking this was happening? Like what was, what was going through your head, making the drive down to the dome the day Craig gave you the job? Yeah. I, well, at first he texted me the night before, said, can you meet me? And I said, yes, I can. And then my wife and I were like, well, it either means one of two things. You're getting it or you're not. Right. But then, <laughs> then a stomach drop when you <laughs> oh, saw yeah. that text? For sure. Okay. And then, uh, in the morning I got up, I was having a coffee. I didn't really sleep well that night cause you don't know what's happening. Um, so I was having a coffee. My wife was already gone. And then I got a text from Connie. Can you meet me an hour earlier? And I'm like, oh, I, yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the drive down, you do think a lot like, how is this going to turn out or what's this going to look like? Um, I'm either going to be really happy or I'm going to have to try to figure something out pretty quick as to what's going on. But. Uh, it was a nice, and Connie didn't hold on very long. As soon as I sat down, he yeah. he let me know. So that's right. thankfully, and then we were able to have a com conversation about it. But the one thing I do remember looking back at it already, um, Don and Connie were talking to me about a few things and I actually started kind of laughing and they looked at me like, what are you laughing at? I was like, I don't have a clue what you just said. I'm just yeah. really excited yeah. about what's going You're on. You're just like little yeah. feral yeah. nose yeah. school. You just totally. blanked out. You that's what happened. What they just said. That's what happened. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So like, and, and so realistically do you think craig conroy could have withheld that for like any length of time like tried to pull the wool over your eyes at all you guys know connie like i do yeah he uh he likes to speak and he's got the gift of gab and <laughs> um that's i think one of his greatest strengths is he's got the ability to communicate and talk with everybody and anybody and he loves people um loves what he does um uh, and i think that's one of his greatest strengths how was can you just tell us a little bit about that process with Craig and, and kind sure. of going through those conversations and everything that was involved with that? Yeah, well, I had two lengthy face-to-face -face meetings with the guys, so all of the management team, and then uh, the last one that was in there, John Bean was in there as well. Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to try to separate myself from the other guys because I know there's there's a lot of great coaches, and, and when you looked at the people who were out there, the experienced guys that were there, are their records, I mean, what are you going to say about some of them? They've had the opportunity to coach a long time in the league and they've had a lot of success. So you're thinking, okay, these guys um, have something I don't have. And then you're looking at some of the other names that are potentially in there and you're like, all right, so these guys are kind of the up and coming guys. So how do I separate myself? So I put a lot of time and, and work into it. And um, 
thankfully I had a lot of time to do that too, right? Because the, the process was a little bit longer. So I made sure that um, my presentation was to the point. I think I had a lot of good detail that they were looking for in there. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I had a good handle on, on what I wanted to portray to them. So I, it worked out well. Um, the first phone call was to your wife when you got the job? Yes, it well, was, it was to my wife. Okay. Tell us about Absolutely. that phone call and then tell us about the second phone call. Um, first phone call was to my wife and she was at work at the time. She works at, um, one of the, um, middle schools in town in, in the office. So I phoned her and she tried to contain her excitement because you have to be <laughs> so excited. Um, and then the second one, I would not say, going to give away though, right? Oh, All of a sudden, like she's making fire engine noises she's, around the school. Like she, <laughs> she leaves the office just a sec. I'll be right back. Right. <laughs> when she's pumping her fist in the parking lot. I'm like, I wonder what this is about. <laughs> when everybody knows yeah, what's exactly. going on. So wait, what's happening here? Uh, and then she asks for the day off when the press conference is, I'm going to have right. to maybe take a day where I can yeah, come in. Yeah. So they're probably, they probably all know. Mm, uh, and, and then I believe it was my kids after night, nice. if I'm not mistaken. So my two girls are back from university right now. And my son, um, would have been at school that day. So it wasn't him, but my girls were home, um, before they were working their, their jobs in the summer. So yeah, it was pretty neat. That is just a small portion of Ryan Huska with Russick and Rose. On the big show earlier this Friday morning, they spent a full hour with Ryan in studio talking literally everything with the new head coach. They had some fun with him in there as well. So dive into that wherever you get your podcast. I know for Flames fans, that was a piece of news we've been waiting for for a while since Craig Conroy took over as this team's GM. And today, this week, we got the news. Ryan Huska, the 24th head coach in Calgary Flames history. Another piece of news that we were expecting when Craig Conroy was announced as GM was that maybe his old buddy, Jerome McGinley, his line mate, Jerome McGinley would find a way back to the flames organization. That was confirmed on Thursday. He joined Pat on flames talk to talk about the opportunity to come back to Calgary and be a part of the flames organization. Jerome, what's going on? Welcome to the show. How you doing? Hey, Pat, uh, doing good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's uh, I, I don't know if you've realized you've, uh, caused a bit of a stir back in Calgary. <laughs> no, it's just, uh, I'm excited. It's, it's, uh, it was, uh, it's an honor to be back with the flames and, uh, really, uh, um, you know, as a, as a fan and an alumni, you know, when you're watching the flames and cheering for them and, and have some friends, uh, throughout the organization and guys that I, uh, they're still there were when I was there, but, uh, this is even more so, you know, obviously now to be back as part of the team and with the team and, and, uh, um, you know, be, uh, uh, working for Craig and, and, uh, getting to work alongside of him and, and, uh, learn the game and just, just, just be back a part of it. I'm excited. And, uh, I've really enjoyed hockey throughout my whole life, you know, and, and, uh, love, it's an honor to get to, to be, uh, back in, in, in the NHL, but with the Calgary Flames. So are you, Working for Craig, or are you working alongside Craig? No, no, I'm working for. I know, Craig. I, know. I know. I'm still working on the. Uh, I, I don't know the professional side and how you and the lingo and everything. So you'll have to forgive me on a few of those. But yeah, no, I'm working for Craig, and and he's uh, and what he, you know, I'm still looking forward to hearing more and more and, and talking and sharing, you know, ideas. But he he lets me know I just want to be a resource and what he can. Uh, however I can help him and, and the whole hockey uh, operations crew. Uh, tell us about just 
being a part now of a hockey op staff with your guy Craig. That's it's 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 something for Flames fans. It's like you know Iggy and and Conroy have been tied at the hip going back to the early two thousands, and now here you are on the same hockey op staff. Just how how cool is that for you, Jerome? Oh, it's really cool. And and uh, a little bit back, you know, I was. Uh, when I was really hoping Craig got the job, it wasn't to try to get a, a job with him. You know, it was, uh, I was really happy for him. And I think he's, you know, he's put in his time. He's a hard worker. He loves hockey. He's great with relationships, uh, you know, popular with his teammates and, you know, when he played and, uh, you know, it, it, throughout the organization. So I, I was really, really uh, excited for him when he got the job. Uh, and then, you know, when he talks about it is that, we've always shared a lot of hockey ideas together and, and love talking hockey and from when we played together to afterwards and stuff. And um, so just, uh, just a, as a, a disclaimer, it wasn't trying to, you know, hope for him to, to get in it. But when he, when he approached me with that, I was very excited about it. And, um, you know, I had to sh- talk with my wife, Kara and, and the kids and stuff. And it's, you know, back in, in I, I've been a part of hockey since I've left, but, um, you know, minor hockey and, and I'm coaching at Academy and it's been, it's been great. It's been fun. It's a, a awesome job to be a part of, but now, uh, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a thrill again and, and exciting to, to be back with the flames and be working for Craig and trying to help him and, and the organization be successful and help where, where he sees that, that I can help them. So Craig gets the job and, and absolutely. I, I know, I know we, we know that you weren't rooting for Craig to get the GM job just so that you could come on, but <laughs> you, you, you see Craig get the job. How, how does the process begin of, finding a role that works for you and that also works with, as you mentioned, your, your family life and, and what you're doing with rent Kelowna and all of that. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. So, um, you know, when he, when he gets a job and, and then I'm, you know, excited and we talk, like I talk to him, you know, fairly regularly and, and over, over time we're, we're good friends and stuff and, you know, I'm, you know, hoping he gets in stuff. So afterwards congratulating him and then just talking about hockey in general, but, um, yeah, that he, he was really good because he's trying, you know, with, with approaching me is to try to find a fit that, um, you know, I can be of, of use to, to, to him and, and be a resource, but also at the same time, yeah, I do have a commitment and I, and I really have enjoyed, uh, coaching the minor hockey and now at rink Academy, uh, next year I'll be coaching the U18. So he knew I had that commitment and, um, you know, and, and I love coaching too. So it's kind of like, it's he, he wants me to see the other side of it and, and find ways and you know whether it's watching players during the season whether it's uh, um, you know maybe some different players he's interested in giving him another opinion or, or really just sharing different ideas he let me know that those are some of the things he's uh, uh, planning on doing and and kind of bringing me along and uh, see it you know he wants me to go to the draft with him keep learning it and seeing how much goes on behind it and uh, hopefully while I'm learning and and uh, uh, still finding ways to help out and, and can use some of, uh, uh, you know, some of the experience and, and different ideas that hopefully I can bring in a different perspective. If it's development or kid stuff to watching uh, players and, and uh, or, or and being around the team a little bit. That's uh, Jerome again on an exclusive interview with Pat Steinberg on Flamestock yesterday. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Amazon, Spotify, just uh, one part of what's been a pretty great week here 
uh, in the city of Calgary and in the world of sports with two championships doled out and uh, two key members now of the Calgary Flames uh, in place with head coach Ryan Huska and special advisor Jerome Aginla. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. Time for a Friday chat with our pal Adnan Vert from MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. He joins the show next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, hour one continues here on Sportsnet 960. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Very happy to uh, continue the Friday program by heading down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcoming in our pal from MLB Network, MLB Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. You know him, you love him. It is Adnan Ferk joining us this afternoon. Adnan, how are you, pal? Logo, a pleasure reunite you, me, and Patty again. I mean, this is incredible. Back to back weeks. No Patty today. We only had him on Thursday, and we had to we had to move things tomorrow. I wish I could have him again today. Oh well, he can go to hell. No exactly. problem. You and me are back together again. <laughs> That's what's most important. Hey, how about this? I hadn't done this in a long time. I wanted to hear your thoughts on this in Calgary. I hadn't seen live comedy in so long. So one of my buddies at work, I said, hey. We're going to go see some live comedy in New York City. I said, you tell me when, whenever. We'll go. So we pick out a day. I went Wednesday. Phenomenal. This place called The Cellar in Manhattan. And it's got to be the best deal in Manhattan. You pay, I think, I, you know, I had a couple of Diet Cokes. You had a couple of Bud Lights. Yeah. I think the bill was $55. So that's it. He's like, yeah, hour and a half of comedy, six comedians. Now, maybe you'll, I, again, I don't know any of these names. Because, Logan, I'm like, listen, I, I only know Bill Burr, yeah. know Chris Rock, and all the big names. But, I guess if you know comedy, you know, the one guy that everyone knows is Anthony Schultz. Maybe it's not Anthony, maybe it's Andrew. But my buddy turned to me, he goes, dude, if you went and saw this guy at a real comedy club, it'd be like 100 bucks to go see him. I said, really? So hopefully open up the uh, text lines here. Does somebody know the comedian named Schultz? Apparently he's very famous. He was very funny, very edgy. At least uh, six jokes I can't repeat here on the air. But <laughs> five comedy. Where's the place to go to in Calgary? There must be like a Yuck Yucks or something, right? There used to be, I think there still is a place called the Comedy Cave, which is would probably be your your go-to most nights unless one of the big names was in town. Like uh, Calgary actually gets a, a fair amount of the the big names swinging through, uh, you know, Jim Jeffries, those kind of guys. Uh, I think Kevin Hart did part of his stadium tour at the Saddledome uh, before COVID when he was doing that. So we, we get some of the bigger names, but I think... I think the comedy cave would probably be the closest. It's it's changed locations, but I think for your your everyday you know spot to go see a couple of comedians on a Thursday night or something like that, I think the comedy cave is probably the place to go. The text line, as always, will correct us if we're wrong. Okay, because that's the thing. I'm like, you know, it's tricky because sometimes you say to yourself, well, you know, unless it's a big name, I'm not interested, right? But I'm like, hey, not everybody has. 200 bucks to go see Dave Chappelle. So I'm like, for me, 25 bucks, and you're going to see six comedians. And let's be honest, opener wasn't great. Another guy wasn't great, but four of them were pretty good. Like, I, I laughed hard at least 12 times. To me, $2 a laugh that's, for a hard laugh, that's worth it on a Wednesday night. Yeah, I, I, of course, I can't remember the name now either, but we, uh, me and a bunch of friends had discount tickets to go one night. We went, same thing, opener was okay. The main guy that we went and saw on, like, a Wednesday was absolutely hilarious. I didn't know anything about him. I Googled him. He's been on all the big talk show circuits he did. He did Fallon. He did Kimmel. He did a bunch of different ones. And I was like, I wouldn't have had any clue who this guy was. He was hilarious. But it was actually, you know, for 25 bucks for the night, you might have a couple of drinks. And 
I, I've spent a lot worse Thursday nights than that. Yeah, this is my point, right? Think how many, many unmemorable nights you've had at a pool <laughs> hall, playing trivia night or something at some rundown dive bar. Support live comedy if you can. That's that's next on the list if I come up to Calgary. Stampede, live comedy, hang out with Logo and Steiny. It'll be great. Uh, sounds like the laugh shop is the big one on the text line that's coming through. Uh, it's at one of the hotels here in Calgary. And uh, apparently Andrew Schultz might have been the guy. He's playing in Calgary this summer. That's the guy. Uh, at Princess Island Park uh, coming up in, in Calgary, actually, this summer. So so he's a big deal. Like, my yeah. buddy was like, dude, Andrew Schultz, he's a big deal. I'm like, he is? So there you go. He's coming to Calgary. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, we've been busy. Haven't, uh, we missed you a couple weeks ago, but I wanted to bring this up and uh, have a chance to, to bring this to the listeners here in Calgary because there's kind of a cool connection going through. Uh, one of your researchers, you talked about this so well on MLB Network the other day, uh, Sarah Lang's battling with ALS and obviously Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, a big one that the MLB focuses in on. Uh, and obviously here in Calgary, one of the assistant general managers of the Calgary Flames, Chris Snow, has been battling ALS for years and his family have been such a massive part here in the city of Calgary for getting the word out about ALS and the battle that, that goes through it. If you wanted to, Edna, and just take a second for some of our listeners who might have missed it about Sarah's story and all the cool work that she's doing now after she went public with her battle with ALS. No, I appreciate that, Logan. That's very kind of you to give me the forum. Yeah, Sarah Langs, I worked with her at ESPN. She's one of our all-time researchers. For those that don't know who that is, it means that they're the statisticians, right? They're giving us information. They're in our ears. Uh, they're giving us data as it happens. They're giving us the stat packs before the game. Invaluable. And Sarah was as good as it gets. And we've kept in touch because she still works for Major League Baseball, MLB.com. She left ESPN. She does some stuff with them, but she gave me a call that I'll never forget a year and a half ago. And, um, you know, she would appear on MLB Network once in a while. So she was coming on as a panelist. I didn't think anything of it. And she told me I had some issues recently, went to the doctor. And I said to her after, by the way, I said, I thought you were going to tell me you were pregnant. I said, oh, my God, it's great news. And then she tells me, yeah, I've been diagnosed with ALS. And I said, oh, my God. I said, I don't even, I don't even know what to say. But um, she's been such a champion, such a fighter, such an advocate. Um, you know, it's obviously impacted her, but not impacted the level that she can't still work. You know, she's the last time I saw her, she's in a wheelchair. Her speech may be slurred a little bit, but she's still writing for MLB.com. She's still a researcher for Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. Call Ravage mentioned her the other day. And what they did, Major League Baseball did on Lou Gehrig Day, was incredible. Third annual Lou Gehrig Day. Sarah's birthday is May 2nd. It was a couple days after that. Uh, her boyfriend, Matt Williams, who's another all-time researcher, works at ESPN. He did college football with me. He also does NBA now, Matty Buckets. He threw out the first pitch for Sarah at the Mets game, but literally in every single ballpark, they're honoring Sarah with starsforsarah.org. Starsforsarah.org. If you can donate to that organization and also just donate to ALS Research. It's incredible, Logan. We know it as Lou Gehrig's disease. And think about that. It's been 80 years now, and yet it's still very mm -hmm. severely underfunded. You know, of the researchers that show that charity does not get nearly as much uh, money as it needs, quite frankly. So I think Sarah's story, and you mentioned Snow there, the Flames assistant GM. Like it's, it's great to try to just shine awareness on this and, it's heartbreaking, but it's also inspiring at the same time. You know, I, I feel horrible for my friend Sarah, what she's going through, but she has been such an inspiration. She is such a bright light. I know her parents, who are phenomenal people, both doctors. She has a great support system around her. So uh, I just have such um, admiration for people who are able to battle through stuff like that and still get it done. Uh, tons of places you can go. Check out Adnan's Twitter, at Adnan S. Verk, if you're looking for more details. Or you want to check out Sarah's Twitter, it's S. Langs on Sports. Uh, and she's got all sorts of links to the ALS Association, different things, different charities that are going on there. Uh, and I know for people in Calgary with the, the Chris Snow connection, all the work that he's done, 
uh, as a Flames assistant GM and getting a promotion while battling through ALS. I thought it was a great story and a great tie-in uh, to our conversation, and I really appreciate you talking about it. And I know it's not, no, it's not easy. But your your monologue the other day on, on the MLB Network talking about, I guess it was a little longer than a couple of days ago, but uh, was so good, so from the heart, and you know, talking about how uh, you know it's been such a battle for her and those people behind the scenes always so important and it always comes to light sometimes at the worst times, but always good to recognize them and what they do for us. Oh, absolutely, man. It takes an army to get us all together. You know, we get to uh, get all the acclaim being front-facing talent, but it's just so many people that work hard behind the scenes and get the job done. And honestly, long before her illness, I would have told you, she's one of the best that I've worked with. This has just crystallized her importance and so many others in balancing something like ALS. It's like I said, it's heartbreaking. It's a degenerative disease. You see the person declining, and yet it is inspiring because people are still able to work through and plow through it. It really uh, it makes you appreciate how grateful you are to have people like that in your life. Uh, so that's the big story uh, associated with baseball right now. We'll get to some of the other storylines I wanted to talk to you about today, including uh, I want to get Adnan Verk's feel on the reverse boycott in Oakland. Does this have any bearing for you? Does this, do you think this moves the needle at all? It sounds as though Nevada is still going through with all the processes of getting the land together for the team to move. To me, it just feels a little bit too little too late for, for people in Oakland to come together to try to save the A's. Yeah, as usual, we're in cahoots on this, you know, and it, it's sad more than anything. You know, I'm, I'm older than you are, so I remember I was 10, 11, 12, and the A's had that three straight seasons in the World Series, and I love those teams. I love the Bash brothers, Canseco, McGuire, Carney Lance for Walt Weiss, Mike Gallego, obviously La Russa managing. Uh, those were fun teams to watch, and my friend and colleague Matt Baskerson is a huge A's fan from the 70s, so he remembers those teams of Reggie Jackson, Catfish Hunter, the late Vita Blue just passed away, so – I just think, man, they've had baseball there for 58 years. Like They really love baseball in that area. And I always thought, especially in the 89 World Series, that's the heart of baseball. That was the World Series, Giants and A's. But it's just been sad, the fact, if you don't have a viable ballpark, you can't really be successful in today's world. And you've seen that with Tampa, what a challenge it is there at the Trop, not able to generate fans. And yet Oakland's proven they can draw. I believe I heard the other day, in 2014, they drew 2 million fans. That's, that's great. Like, those are good numbers. But unfortunately, it's gone down just because they need to get a new stadium, quite frankly. And again, there's lots of blame to go around, right? Whether it's political officials, ownership, whatever. Like, they just couldn't get on the same page. All along, as you know, my wife from San Jose, I kept saying, why don't you just go to San Jose? San Jose A's. There's a million people living in San Jose. They've already proven the Sharks are successful. You have a great rivalry with the A's and the Giants. Um, But we know the Giants have territorial rights as well, right? Like, I believe where the Oakland Coliseum is now, it's 15 miles away from what I still call Pac Bell or AT&T Park. So, you know, I know there's a lot of issues as far as where San Francisco wanted to see that second team, where they could move, blah, blah, blah. The bottom line is this. It stinks. Like, if you're an Oakland A's fan, it's pretty frustrating because they've been a franchise which is rich in history. And even the last 10 years, I think, how many, I think it was three years ago, they won 95 games. Like, it's incredible what a well-run franchise they are from Billy Bean and company, and yet they just haven't been able to be financially successful. So I think it's inevitable at this point that they are going to go to Vegas. Their lease is up, by the way, at the end of next year. So this is really interesting. For the next year and a half, it could be in Oakland, but then obviously the park won't be ready in Vegas if it gets ratified. So I don't know what happens 25, 26. I don't think the park's ready until the start of 27. So two years, uh, there could be nomads, maybe the AAA park in, in Vegas. I really haven't looked into it, but I think it's interesting that um, there's still a lot of work to be done, but it, it feels like clearly it's going in that direction. And Again, I feel for the A's fans, man. My old buddy Dallas Braden, he's the color commentator at A's games. He lives and breathes the green and gold. They just ripped off a seven-game win streak, right? Almost took two or three against the yep. Rays, best team in baseball. So 
Uh, there's still some good stories in that team, but it's just frustrating more than anything. But going back to your point, I do share your sentiment. I appreciate a good reverse boycott. <laughs> I appreciate people are mad, but I think it's too little too late. Uh, speaking of teams that have been uh, hot as of late, uh, the Cincinnati Reds, another team, much like the Oakland A's, uh, Verk, who were terrible last year and have ripped off a, a decent stretch of baseball uh, over the last little while. I believe going back to May, they have the top record uh, since May 21st in the NL, the Reds at 15-8. and eight. Now, they're in an absolute terrible division. Even with all that winning, they're still a game behind the Pirates at 34-33. and 33. But is there actually something to believe in, in Cincinnati? Look, youth is is sort of being served there. They've got some great players. Uh, you know, Matt McClain was summoned a few weeks ago. Uh, Dela Cruz is there. It feels like Cincinnati could be one of those surprise teams to come out of a terrible division in the NL Central. Yeah, Ali Dela Cruz is an amazing story. It's no coincidence the Reds have won seven of nine games since he's been called up. He runs at the highest sprint speed in the sport right now, 31 feet per second. So the guy moves like lightning. He struck out a ton. That is true. But he's exciting and electrifying to watch. He's certainly given him a big juice. Matt McClain's been a lot of fun to watch. Spencer Steer, they're really good players. So they've got some young baby Reds now that are turning some heads. And the last years have been a little bit lean. Aside from our boy Joey Votto, not much to cheer about with the Reds. But Votto's been out, and, and these Reds have really stepped things up. So they have, I believe, going back to – they've now won five straight – if you go back to like late April, they've got the best record in the Central from April 24th. So to your point, they're still under 500, but they're the team gaining steam right now. Brewers have been a disaster. They've fallen off. They're a 500 team right now. The Pirates are only one game over 500, and by virtue of that, they're in first place. But it's a lousy division, but the Reds are a really good story. I did a little essay on them yesterday on MLB tonight. Just how much fun they are to watch. And it all starts with Elliot De La Cruz. If we've heard for a while, he was one of the top prospects in baseball, and so far that guy runs like lightning, really bringing back a lot of joy there for Reds fans. Uh, I know the Jays have been on uh, MLB Network a bit as of late, including this sub part of this series against the Orioles, and it, it's so weird being a, a radio station that covers the Jays as much as we do here, Adnan, to get a feel for what this team is. If they're not playing the AL East, they look like they could be world beaters, and then every single time they play someone in their division – it's just disappointment after disappointment. Our, our Sportsnet stats crew threw it out yesterday. They're now 7-17 seven and 17 against the American League East. That's their worst record in 24 games against their division since 1994 when they matched that 7-17. Seven and 17. Do you have a feel on this Jays team and, and what's holding them back? Is it just a, an inside book that these teams have that make them successful against the Jays? Or, or what is it? Because the division and their play against other teams shows – they should be a much better team than they are against the division, but it just seems like the AL East has their number right now. A hundred percent. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. And the only good news for the Jays is, again, it's now a balanced schedule. So rather than 19 games against those teams in your division, now you're only playing 13 games. So you almost have to wave the white flag and go, you know what, just hasn't been our year in the division, but outside of the division, we can make some hay. And they're not going to face the Rays, I don't believe, until September. Same with the Yankees, two big series down the stretch. So it's almost like, hey, let's beat up on some other teams, gain some ground, and then when push comes to shove, let's try to rectify our earlier woes. But there's no doubt it's the best division in baseball. Again, they could have three potential wildcard teams. I don't think that happens because I think Texas might win the division and the Astros could be the wildcard or vice versa. But I think two playoff teams from the West, one from the Central, and that means that then you're going to have three from the East. So your division winner, probably the Rays, and then two of, the Orioles, Yankees, Blue Jays, and Red Sox. So it's going to be a real 
dogfight down the stretch. And, you know, I think for Toronto, of all the numbers I was looking at, one that's really perplexing is Vlad Jr. is hitting 319, nine home runs, 27 RBI, 36 road games this season. But at home, at Rogers Center, which has traditionally been a home park where offense really plays well, he's hitting 239, slugging 299, zero home runs in 31 games at home. It's just shocking that it's been like that, but it's obviously very frustrating right now for this Blue Jays team, but he has yet to get on track at home, but we'll see what happens to the Jays. Gossman is pitching tonight, and he's been terrific overall. And then Verk along with us, MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast, our regular guest here on Sportsnet today. i got to ask you, Adnan, what uh, championship over the last week caught your attention more, the Golden Knights winning or the Denver Nuggets winning? Well, I think for me, it's, you know, it's interesting. The Golden Knights, just the fact that, you know, they've had six seasons, and now that they are Stanley Cup champions, it is an incredible story because their owner himself even said, hey, we're going to take six years, we're going to win a title, and now they've done that. Like, that never happens in sports that you get that kind of a proclamation and then that kind of a success happens. So it's, it's a remarkable story. It really is for Vegas to win a Stanley Cup that quickly. Uh, and to do so really with a strong collection of talent. Like, it's, you know, they did well in the expansion draft, supplemented where need be. Obviously, March is so a good story. Aiden Hill's like their fifth-string goaltender. Like, it's bananas that Aiden Hill is the goaltender that ends up winning a Stanley Cup for them. Eichel obviously acquired the trade was good. But I, I just think it's a good story. And, you know, ultimately, Florida would have been good as well, had not win in a Stanley Cup since, whatever, 96. Had never won a Stanley Cup final game. So at least they won a game, which is nice to see. But, I mean, ultimately, just ran out of gas. I mean, you could tell, like, they're just overwhelmed, which is surprising in some ways because you knock off the team with the best regular season record ever in the Boston Bruins. You dispatch the Leafs to sweep the Hurricanes. But then he just ran out of gas. It was just like Vegas was just way too good on all levels. And I think the biggest thing for me was just how overwhelming their offense was. I think it was 27, 28 goals in five games. That's shocking. I don't think Bobrovsky played terrible. Like, more than often, he was just under siege. Uh, game two was pretty bloody, and then obviously game five was a disaster. So I, I think it's a great story for Vegas. And as far as the NBA is concerned, obviously thrilled for Jamal Murray. He loved him, loved seeing a Canadian come through, be a champion. And he really played his heart out, man. I mean, the best player on the planet right now is Jokic. We all know now he probably should have won the MVP again for the third straight season. But two-time MVP, you really saw him flourish in the playoffs. A stat sheet stuffer, right? Points, assists, rebounds. He was a walking triple-double. But Murray was phenomenal. He, he was the Robin to his Batman, stepped up big time. He's overcome injuries. So it was honestly a really good story to see how good Jamal Murray played. It's great for Canadian basketball. And uh, last but not least, at least when it comes to uh, to my interests, uh, Cinephile Podcast, the latest edition coming out this week, uh, Patricia Heaton on the uh, show with you. And uh, she's going to be in a new movie, uh, Mending the Lion, coming out. Uh, it came out, sorry, it was a 2022 release. Uh, talking about Brian Cox, yeah. Perry Matfield. Uh, and uh, what was it like? I think everyone knows her from her TV roles, but interestingly, you brought her on talking right. about this movie. Yeah, Emmy Award winner, obviously, for Everybody Loves Raymond, but just a delightful person. I mean, still looks like a million bucks, and she's very charming and funny. And, yeah, the story's it's interesting. It's about a soldier suffering from PTSD and looking to kind of rehabilitate, get back into his life. And she plays a therapist slash counselor trying to help him and recommends he go fly fishing. He's like, fly fishing, come on. But who does he talk to? But Brian Cox, who's a former military man, now obsessed with fly fishing, and that's the journey that this young soldier goes on. So it was a really good drama. It was well-acted, and uh, she's great, man. She told good stories about the movie, but also working with Ray Romano. You know, she's doing some writing now, appearing in a horror movie, so really cool. And Jennifer Esposito, who I've had a crush on since Spin City, love her. <laughs> she's got a film called Fresh Kills, 
which she wrote, produced, starred in, and directed. And uh, that movie's at Tribeca. I think it's playing tonight, 16th, 17th, and 18th. Yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So hopefully that movie gets distribution. As you know, I love my mob movies, and it's about you know the females of these mobsters of uh, the 80s and 90s, the little rooster crime family in New York City, New Jersey. So it's a cool story, and it was fun to talk with both of them, man. We're really making the push here as far as uh, female guests. I love it. Patricia Heaton and Jennifer Esposito on the latest cinephile. Uh, it was so cool getting ready for uh, today's show and just looking you know, back at some of uh, Patricia's credits. And I couldn't believe you know, 210 episodes of Everybody Loves Raymond, 1996 to 2005. That show was, and I don't think anybody, I don't know if going to say that everybody loves Raymond was a, a groundbreaker by by any stretch, but, you know, to have a longevity of almost a 10-year TV show nowadays, 200-plus episodes, like, that's crazy. And it's not the only show that she's done 215 episodes of. She was in the middle for 215 episodes. Yeah. It's a great point, man. It's not like you're a supporting character. Like, she's right there in it, which is remarkable. And, um, you know, it's one thing that everybody loves Raymond. Obviously, his name is in the show, but she's right there with him, right? It's like tennis. You're only as good as you're, the person you're playing across from the net. And she mentioned the fact, still keeps in touch with Ray. Had lunch with him a couple of weeks ago. So, dude, she's a really a talented sitcom actress. And that show had an incredible longevity to this day. Still makes me laugh. The great Peter Boyle, obviously playing uh, his father, the late Peter Boyle. Really, really funny show, man. Virk, uh, appreciate the time as always, pal. Thanks for uh, hopping on with us as always. Have yourself uh, a great weekend. I can't wait to chat with you next week, pal. Thanks, Logo. Live comedy. Let's get after it. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Appreciate you, Virk. Take care. Adnan Virk joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, MLB Network, NHL Network, Cinephile Podcast. Uh, he joins us every week here on Sportsnet today and uh, talking all things baseball. Reminder, uh, check out his Twitter feed, Adnan S. Virk, if you want more details on Sarah Lang's uh, battle with ALS. Adnan had a couple of great pieces on that. And uh, the Snowy Strong connection here in Calgary is one that's so important and uh, glad we got a couple of uh, moments in there for him to to talk about uh, someone he's worked with closely who's uh, battling with ALS, and uh, we know that story well here in Calgary. So, again, if you want more details on that, uh, check out Adnan's Twitter page, at Adnan S. Verk. We'll take a break, come back on the other side, kick off Hour 2, looking back on a Stampeders win in Ottawa last night. Your Stamps report kicks off Hour 2 next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.